Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. Sin was sin in 700 B.C. and sin is sin today. Nowhere does the Bible say that the blessed live a life of luxury, the blessed live a life of joy. God said, I'm the most important thing going on around here. Not your preacher, not the choir, not anything. There's another option. Seek God and live. Seek the cross and live. Joining us for this edition of Living Faith. You're invited to join us as we continue our series entitled Roll Down Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. For the Hebrew people, life in the Promised Land was a cycle. Though God had promised his people a land of plenty, he also commanded them to remember him and his law in their abundance. The people became blinded by their prosperity and often followed after other gods, worthless idols. Each time, God graciously provided the voice of a prophet to call his people back to himself and to warn of impending judgment. Amos was one such prophet in this cycle. This shepherd, called from the fields of a small town, was chosen to bring God's message of judgment to a powerful and arrogant nation. A message so very relevant to New Testament believers who were part of Israel's faithful remnant through Jesus Christ. So get your Bible and pen ready, and let's listen in as Pastor John Beck leads us through the book of Amos. Take your Bible, if you will, and find the Old Testament book of Amos. You may want to jump to the table of contents. If you're visiting with us especially, it's a small book to find there in the, in the Old Testament. So find Amos chapter 5. Uh, as a pastor, you think about the... Um, the, the seasons and the, the Sundays. Well, it's Mother's Day, right? Y'all know it's Mother's Day. If you do not know it's Mother's Day, men or children, you may be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but it's Mother's Day, and as I was planning this week, I, I thought, you know, I'm in Amos. I think I'm going to stay in Amos. Well, if you know the, the story of Amos, it's a story of judgment. That's not a very Mother's Day message, is it? And then I thought about God's love, a mother's love. God's people turning their back on God, and he says, because of who I am, judgment's coming. But there'll be a remnant and a restoration. And I thought, boy, isn't it a mother's love kind of like that, that no matter what we do or are capable of doing, that that mother's love reaches out and always welcomes us home. And as a, as a son, I don't know if, if sons are more prone to wander than daughters, but I know even sharing with my mother uh, this week, you know, her, her faithfulness, her patience to raise a hyper child that tends to wander. So take your... Word of God, and let's open it up to Amos chapter 5. I want to do something a little differently than, than I may do in, in, in some settings. What I want to do is I want to read Amos chapter 5, and I want to walk through it and, and kind of unpack it as we're going. And then I want us to come back uh, at the end as we walk through the kind of a rolling commentary and, and bring it all together. Because this is the third and final sermon to the nation of Israel over their disobedience. They were a disobedient people and God is saying, I'm going to judge. Judgment is coming. But yet there's a message throughout that says, seek God and live. I'd like for us to look at the nation of Israel and apply that into our life as God's new covenant people 
and begin to understand that judgment is coming because of our lives and the sin that is in our life. But throughout the gospel is that message to turn back to God. My name is chapter 5, and let's begin there in verse 1. Hear this word. Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Now, if you look at that word there, it's a, it's a funeral message. It's a funeral for the nation of Israel. And so the message would have come across as one of, of gloom and doom and, and a pending judgment because of their disobedience. And what God is saying to the nation of Israel through Amos, Amos is standing before them, their, their third and final message he gave back to back to back, and he, he, it was with a tone, lamenting over Israel because of the deeds that they had done and the result of that, fallen no more to rise as the virgin Israel, forsaken of her land with none to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that went out a, a thousand shall have a hundred left. And that that went out a hundred shall have ten left. To the house of Israel. Oh, once so mighty and prosperous and so faithful to the things of God and, and the, the pride of their numbers and prosperity and as they began to see uh, their victories take place regardless of how they had turned their back on God as they began to see their, their wealth and prosperity and luxury increase as they had turned their back on God. God says what used to be thousands will be hundreds. What used to be hundreds is 10 like a young lady defeated in battle unable to rise up on her own will be the nation of Israel will be the people of God when they turn their back and heart away from him for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel Verse 4, seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel or do not enter the Gilgaldu or, or cross over the Bathsheba. He says, seek me and live. Don't seek those houses of worship. Don't, don't seek after those religious things that you have turned into false. But seek me, God says. He looks into the nation of Israel and says, seek me, seek the, the God uh, uh, of that Old Testament. Seek me and live. Goes on in verse, half of verse five, for Gilgal shall surely not go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Verse six, seek the Lord and live lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn justice 
to wormwood. That, that wormwood was a, a bitter herb. Oh, you that turn justice. Oh, you that turn right into bitterness and cast down the righteous to the earth. Have you noticed the, what the flow? Let me, let me point out the flow to this point. You have words of judgment. You've fallen no more. Large in number will be small. Judgment is coming. But then God says, but turn back to me. Seek me and live. And then there's a message of their injustice. He said, you have turned that which is right into bitterness. You have turned, uh, you have taken that which is righteous and has is, is fallen. So you have this message of judgment. You have this uh, message of repentance. You have this message of what you have done, this injustice. And so that's half the text. And notice what it says there in verse 8 and 9. I think Amos is kind of beating his chest. And he's at the, the, the height of the message. And notice what he says. He who made Pleiades and Orion. He who made the universe. He's, he's talking to the leaders of Israel. God is talking to us today. He that has made everything that we see and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and he pours them out on the earth, the Lord is his name. In the middle of the, of the sermon, I think Amos got excited. He said, I'm going to tell you what this message is about. The Lord is his name. You know what the message for us today is? The Lord is his name. He created the universe. He's in charge of everything. Who makes destruction flash against the strong so that destruction comes upon the fortress. So we have judgment, we have a message of repentance, we have a message of accusation, we have a, a message of God and his greatness and his goodness and his glory. And then Amos continues. And it's kind of how he did this, he, he follows the same flow of the message, but he does it in a reverse order. Judgment, repentance, accusation, God, accusation, Repentance, judgment. Verse 10, they make him, they hate him who approves in the gate. And they, they hate him who speaks the truth. Now they are those that have turned their back on God. This is incredible to me. This is what the nation of Israel was being accused of. Here's what the people of God were being accused of. One, they hated truth. Isn't God's word wonderful? This could be Amos today on any street corner in America. Did you pick up on that? They hate truth. That's why God's judging the nation of Israel in, in the 700s B.C. They hated the truth of God's word, and they took God's word, and they did what they wanted to with God's word, and they pushed God's word off to the side, and God's word says, this is what I need you to do. And the people of God says, we believe that's your word, but we're going to do what we want to do. Amen or amen, oh me. I said, why in the world are we in Amos? 
That happened a long time ago. It's God's word for God's people today. We are God's chosen people today. And God is saying, he's not talking about, you know, the nation of Israel, the nation of America. He's not talking about a nation. He's talking about us. Remember when David got called in sin with Bathsheba and, and he went to David and, and the prophet went to David and told him a story about a man that had committed all this sin and David was so furious and said, that man needs to die. Who is that man? And the prophet said, what? You are that man. We are the people that Amos is talking to. Judgment is coming upon us because of our lives. But he's calling for us to repent. Because we have distorted the word of truth. The gates was the symbol of where truth was shared and, and lives were impacted by the wisdom of God's word. And it's like today, the church house should be the place of truth. I met a pastor this week, and pastors are funny people. I tell you what makes pastors funny is that we're skeptical of other pastors. Somebody said, Brother, Brother John, I want you to meet a pastor over here. And I'm going, what kind of pastor is he? I don't want to be hanging around some pastor that's not preaching the word of God. And so somebody said, Brother Pastor, I want you to meet Darren's brother-in-law. He's a pastor. And I saw him look too. So we started talking. I was like, where do you pastor? He said, where do you pastor? I said, I'm Baptist. He, I said, I am too. And I said, what kind of Baptist? He said, a Bible-believing Baptist. I said, me too. Phew, I was getting nervous because I thought I was going to have to start biblically whooping up on somebody that's a pastor to what and preach. You know, you get that. That's a pastor thing. Isn't that sad that you got to have questions to figure out? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't hanging out with some liberal guy that calls himself a pastor. I don't care what he thinks. Amen. I don't care about what he thinks. But I love to lock arm with a man that loves the word of God and proclaims it rightly. Because that's what the world needs today. The truth. And I think about you mothers out there. You know, you know it, it's hard being a parent. I, I love visiting my young sisters and brothers. I, all my children are grown. I'm still trying to figure it out, but they are grown. When we left one at home today, we all got to church and Emily's home with no ride. I'm thinking, we still don't have this thing figured out. <laughs> I asked Sharon to do one thing, get Emily to church, and she didn't do it. But I love watching the, the, the little sisters take the little brothers and try to figure that out. I'm just sitting there going, I told Sharon, I called her, I said, dear Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful we're not having kids now. I don't think I can do it. Grandkids are just different. But isn't there something about a mother's love for their children? You're wore out. I know you're wore out. I look at raising kids. I, I want to just to prolong the child dedication. I just love it. You're tired. You're wore out. You're trying to keep kids from just, you're just exhausted. But keep fighting the good fight. You do that because you love them. 
You do that because you want what is best for your children. I'm going to tell you something. God loves his children. He wants what's best for you. And because God loves you, he's preserved his word, he's not going to let you get away with anything but standing in the gates and standing on truth. And he will judge you every time when you wander from the truth of God's word. He tells in verse 11, he goes, the accusation is because you trample on the poor. How can you be a God's covenant people and not take care of your own and, and trample on the poor? How can we say that we're believers and we can't even treat others right? How can we say we're believers and we're great commission Christians and we want to make an impact for the gospel and we can't even take care and we don't even love our neighbor? You've built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted vineyards, but you shall not drink of them. What they were accused of is this life of luxury that they were living. I think about tithing. I, I love, and I'm going to be careful here because I don't want to take away one of my rewards in heaven, as we say. I love to tithe. And I found out that people that tithe don't mind me talking about tithing as well. You know why you cannot tithe? You've got too much stuff, and you can't afford to give God what you have. You're living in luxury and you're robbing God. That's what the nation of Israel was. Look at all that you have. You have all this stuff, but you're not even going to be able to enjoy it. I always tell people this. All this stuff you're hoarding and enjoying, your children are going to blow through it in six months after you pass. Spend it on the Lord. Give it to, you don't need, I'm not talking, this isn't give it to the church. Don't give it to the pastor. Honor God with it because your kids aren't going to honor it. Now, all these parents that are with kids in the huts, keep it down there, Pastor. Isn't that true, though? What keeps us from really serving God is all the luxury that we have, all the things that we have going on. We can't enjoy the things of God because we think we have to work all these hours. We have to have all of this stuff. We have to go all these places. And how many of us have even said, when I slow down, I'm going to serve the Lord. When I get to a point in my life, I'm going to give to Well, what, what is keeping us from doing it right now? These hewn stone homes, these vineyards and, that we think we've got to have. And God said, that's going to come to nothing nowhere does the bible say that the blessed live a life of luxury the blessed live a life of joy this is a long this is a long time ago some of y'all might have been around when this was written this was a long time ago but the message hasn't changed for i know how many are your transgressions Ooh, god keeps a scorecard you know why because he knows our hearts he knows our thoughts. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bride and turn aside the needy in the gate. Don't miss this, verse 13. Therefore, he who is prudent keeps silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. So what is the accusation? They're not speaking truth. They're not taking care of one another. They're living this life of luxury. And I wrote in my margin, verse 12, the sin of silence. The place where they should have heard truth would have been the gate. Now, I think about my mother. I, this is, you know, it is Mother's Day. I, I was with my mother. 
She was so happy I drove up, by the way. She told me things I didn't want to hear. Not this week, this long time. This is back when I wasn't doing what I needed to do. You know why? Because she loved me. See, there's a sin in keeping your mouth shut when it comes to truth. And God says, nation of Israel, you were silent at the gate. It's an evil time. Boy, I, I think about churches all over. You know, I think about households all over our land. I think about churches. We've got a sin of silence going on. We're so afraid to say anything. Uh, every day I get something in the mail. This is what you need to do so you won't get sued. I've already been in one lawsuit. That's my claim to fame. I have been sued by some person because I prayed in Jesus' name to open up the Congress in, in, in Indiana. They wanted me to come pray. I said, oh, I'll pray but I am going to pray in the blessed Redeemer's name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can come do that, but my name is on lawsuit. That's my, your pastor's been sued for preaching Jesus. I do not care what the government does. I really don't. But I care what God thinks about what I do. You might say, whoa, they're going to lose your tax exempt status. God owns everything. We got to speak truth. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. I need to hurry. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. Get, get justice in the gate. That's what the gate, that represented truth. Get truth in the gate. Act right in the gate. The gate in that city was where the truth was to be found. If there's no other place to be found in the city, it was at the gate. Get it right. Therefore, the Lord of hosts says, and all the squares there will be wailing. And in the streets they shall say, alas, alas. They shall call the farmers to mourning and wailing those who are skilled in lamentation in the vineyards. They shall be wailing for I will pass through their midst, says the Lord. So there's a running commentary. There's a sermon. There's Amos' a sermon, okay? He says, listen, Judgment's coming. You need to repent. This is what you did. God is great. This is what you did. You need to repent. Judgment is coming. But did you notice, and this is what I want to take the last few minutes. This is, you notice this? Right in the middle of that? Seek God and live. There's another option. Seek God and live. My mother used to always tell me, I, I never, you know, these things you'll never forget. I don't even know if she remembers saying it. I've noticed as a parent, it's the things that I thought they would remember I said, they don't remember. It's the little things I did and the overflow of a right heart that my children remember. What can I get you for Mother's Day? What can I get you for your birthday? What can I get you? She'd always say this, just love me and obey me. What can we do as the people of God today? The people of Israel did not repent and God took them out of that city and totally destroyed it. What can we do today as we sit and listen to the word of God today? Love him and obey him. That's all he asked. 
Amos shows us how we can do that real quick. One, listen to the word of God. Hear this. Amos didn't say, hey, y'all better listen to me. I don't stand up here on Sunday morning and say, thus say John the Baptist or just, or just says Matthew. Well, Matthew and John are pretty biblical names, though. The Apostle Howard, that's got a ring to it. <laughs> thus says Howard. That's got kind of an old school mad apostle ring to it, doesn't it? Don't let me get Howard down there on you. No, what do we say? Thus saith the Lord. You know what? We today think God is not speaking anymore. Do you know that? We really think God is not speaking more. We, we, we live in a society today that we think, oh, I wish we had a word from God. I'm, I'm waiting on a word. I'm waiting on a feeling. I'm waiting on a vision. I'm waiting on this. Let me read some scripture to you. Long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed the heir of all things, to whom also he created the world. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. God spoke to the Amos, the prophet, thus saith the Lord. God spoke through Jesus Christ, thus saith the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work just as real as Amos was standing there proclaiming the word of God and just as real as Jesus Christ was standing there proclaiming the word of his heavenly father is just as real the word of God is for us here today now I don't know what we have done to either forget it or just don't acknowledge it the Bible is God's absolute holy truth that we have for us here today. It's not a, a weapon of mass destruction of do's and don'ts. It is a, a precious collection of promises and, and words of truth that we apply into our life that show us who God is and how we live our life in relationship to who God is. It is a book about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even as I read Amos, I say, well, how do you read the Old Testament? Even as I read Amos, I don't, I'm not thinking about anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ when I read Amos. I look at Amos and I look at the nation of Israel and I remember that I, the church is the chosen people of God. I look at that old covenant agreement and I think about the cross of Calvary and that new covenant agreement that Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. As I read the book of Amos, I'm looking at the nation of Israel and I'm sitting myself in the nation of Israel and I'm looking at my life. Is judgment coming upon my life for the, the acts of injustice in my life? Is judgment coming upon my life because I'm not seeking the face of God and living for him? Notice that the Bible does. Did you, did you catch that? All scripture. How much of scripture? It's inspired. It was written a long time ago. I know that's what makes it great. It still applies today. Sin was sin in 700 B.C. and sin is sin today. Speaking no truth in the gate was wrong in Amos' day and speaking no truth in the gate is wrong today. God wants to bless a nation of Israel. God wants to bless us today. It never changes. 
Scripture is inspired and breathed out by God. Notice these, the wording there. It says that, that it is for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training. I think about that and I think about learning right, doing right, acting right. It, the Bible is there to teach us how to think, how to live, how not to think, how not to live. Everything that we need is found in God's holy word. And yet we never open it, do we? You want to do Bible drill and we'll see how well we know it. Oh, you're getting nervous now, aren't you? Stand up and find Obadiah. And you can't sit down until you find Obadiah. We'd be thinking it's alphabetical. That's pitiful. How long of us have we had a, a copy of God's Word? How many of this is what's saying? I'm, I'm, I don't read it because I don't understand it. Don't say that. You don't understand it because you're not reading it. You're not praying through it. You know, here's the great thing about the Bible. It's the only supernatural book out there. Only supernatural books ever been written. I can read a chemistry book and put that book down. I can read it a million times and I don't understand it. But I can pick up the word of God and read it over and over and over. And from the inside out, God opens my eyes to the truth. That's what the Bible does. It's supernatural. It's the only supernatural book ever written. Notice what Hebrews says in chapter 4. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God is, a, is an instrument, it's a surgical instrument that goes into our soul. Hear this word, Amos says. Hear this word. Secondly, Amos was saying, just look at your life. You know what God is asking us to do? Look at your life. Just step back, remove, you know, it's kind of like in, in preaching. A lot of times people will say, well, that was a good sermon. I hope they heard it. Don't weigh your life compared to what everybody else is doing or the condition of our land. Weigh your life in, in, in the balance of God's holiness. Every day I want to examine my life through the scripture. Every day I want the, the word of God to be the filter that I look at the wickedness of my heart and examine how do I treat people? How do I live? Do I love the Lord? Am I obeying the Lord? Am I serving the Lord? It's not about a mental understanding of facts about who Jesus is and I know that I've been baptized and I know I prayed a prayer. I know I'm on the church roll. It has nothing to do with that. Do you love Christ and love living for him? It's like calling a mother on Mother's Day that you don't care anything about it, hadn't called all year, and you're going to try to convince her you love her in one phone call. You love her by the way you live your life toward her. Amos says, nation of Israel, I know you're God's chosen people, but look at your life. Look at the way you're living. Look at the condition of your land. God says to us this morning, listen to what I'm saying. I love you. Look at your life. Look at your family. You know the one thing that you see over, there's two things you see over and over in Amos. You see all over the Old Testament, false worship and false treatment of people. 
I think back to Moses on the, on the mountain. They got impatient waiting on Moses to come down. You pick up on that. They got impatient waiting on Moses to come down. So they said, you know what? He's up there getting with God, but we need to be busy for God. Why don't we make a God in our image? Why don't we make a God that we think it looked like? Everybody bring your gold to me. We're going to create a God that we think we look like. So they create this gold-looking God. And then God says, you don't make God, and you don't make me in your image. I am God. Don't we do that? Well, I know what the preacher says, but I love, I, I'm going to pick on everybody. You know, it's Mother's Day, who cares? Are you already mad because I'm in Amos anyway? I'm not in Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. We just don't have time for church because we are so busy. And that preacher just doesn't understand how busy we are. I, I could care less how busy you are. As a matter of fact, there's no skin off my back. I would like to be around you tell that to Jesus. But you don't understand. We live in a society today where people are different than it used to be. And, and people used to think this way, but that's old school. Now it's this way. Mold God in our little image. This is what I think God wants me to do. I'm going to create it like me. My, I'm going to have little John gods. God says, no. You, you, value, you, you, you value your life in reference to who I am. God. Remember what was the middle of the whole scripture? I created everything. I created the entire universe and the whole world is in my hands. Worship me. That ought to be the greatest fear that we have. Matt and I talk a lot about worship during the week. It's crazy as this sounds. Just understand, don't go, wake up now. Is dedicating a child, pushing God to the side in a worship service, that'll make you think. Makes you think, doesn't it? Is anything that we do in a worship service telling God, slide off just for a minute? That'll make you think. God said, I'm the most important thing going on around here. Not your preacher, not the choir, not anything. God told the nation of Israel, I'm the most important thing going over here. False worship. Examine our hearts. And then last, turn back to God. I went through a terrible time of rebellion. Every Mother's Day I think of this. Terrible time of rebellion toward my mother, my family. Didn't bother me, didn't care, just did it. Treated her terrible, treated her awful. She was going through a tough time in her own life. I'm the oldest son. I should have been the one for, therefore. And I remember just being broken. And I remember just didn't know what to do, really. I, did, I, I wanted to cry out to her, but I was so embarrassed. But I'm telling you what. God says, seek me and live. 
seek good and hate evil. Turn back. That word seek is, is you know it's there and you, you understand it. There, there, you, you, you can hear it. It's not just seeking something you don't know what it is. It's acknowledging that there is someone there. And I can remember turning back and I remember restoring my relationship with people that I love the most. I'm going to tell you, is there nothing more wonderful than restoration of broken relationships? And the whole time that Amos is prophesying to the nation of Italy saying, seek me and live, seek God and live, seek good and hate evil. All God wants us to do is turn to him in repentance and faith. Turn to him as you listen to his voice. Turn to him as you acknowledge the, the sin that is in your life. I'll tell you this, sin is always the problem. I could have told my mother, well, if it wasn't for the divorce, this would have happened. If, if my daddy would have loved me, I wouldn't have turned out bad. If this wouldn't have happened, if y'all would, I used every excuse in the book to be a wild hellion. But you know what the problem was? Me and my sin. And I turned back to God. And when I turned back to God, all my other relationships got in order. Seek the cross and live. Seek the cross and love what is good. Seek the cross and hate what is evil. Seek me and live. Verse 4, seek the Lord and live. He who made Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the night, the day into night, who calls the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, I thank you for the steadfast love of our earthly mothers today. But that is a minute picture of the love that you have for your children. Help us to see the condition of our heart and the reality of judgment upon us when we've turned our back on you. We're grateful the Lord is your name. We pray this in your name. Amen. That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Listen in every week for more from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. You don't want to miss any of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration and the Prophecy of Amos. Our senior pastor, John Beck, will be walking us through that important Old Testament book for the coming months. For more information about First Baptist Church of Avon Park, just go to fbcap.net. You can find us on Facebook by simply searching for First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash FBC Avon Park. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. Our Sunday service begins at 1045. 
You can find all this information and more at fbcap.net. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Living Faith.